0: Were these layers of revelation, which it should have been obvious, but it, it wasn't so much that I was learning stuff that was new. It was I was recognizing stuff that should have been obvious. It was peeling away this layer of gunk that we have imposed on ourselves that don't doesn't need to be there.
1: Kia ora koutou. that was Christopher McDougall. I'm Matt Raymond.
2: I'm Eugene Bingham.
1: And this is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. This episode of Dirt Church Radio is brought to you by Currens NZ. If you haven't heard of it yet, Currens NZ is a 100% natural blackcurrant supplement, not Ribena, used at the top levels of sport and by top runners like Ruth Croft, Full stop. Uh, the supplement that multi sport athletes are calling a game changer.
2: They make these on the Canterbury Plains. Did you know yeah, that? they
1: do. Apparently, um, uh, New Zealand blackcurrants have the best amount of blackcurranty good give, I don't know, in the world because of mm. the wicked hot sun of the Canterbury Plains, but also the freezing uh, frosts that. I'm not a black current scientist. They help,
2: help them, they help them. And that means that they've won seven international awards. I mean, you know, it's not just here. 30 studies have been published on its sensational performance, energy and recovery benefits for athletes, You've been using them for a few weeks,
1: Matt. What are you reading? I've been using them for a few weeks. I've be, I, I, I must admit, I'm a fan. I, 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 I like the taste of them. I like the fact that I don't have to eat 10 kilos of black currants a day. Um, that would play havoc with my digestive tract, and, and, and this doesn't. It, it's good, and my legs feel good. I don't feel so punished after long runs and, and hard workouts, and, and I'm really enjoying them. And if you want to go to currantsnz.co.nz, um, use the code Dirt Church. And get 20% off your first order, which is a pretty bloody good deal if you ask us. Indeed. Just quickly, ultraspire.co.nz. Have a look at the new Zygos 5.0 that is coming down the pike. And all of I was us shaking um, with excitement. Yeah, some incredible features. And if you are scratching around for some of the last Zygos 4 in the country, which are fantastic packs as well, they're gone for a super good deal there. So if you head to ultraspire. .co.nz to get you some of what is an amazing piece of kit. Nice hat you're wearing there, Matt. Thanks. Further it's my Faster. Further Faster toque that would have had a, a fetching uh, green and grey bobble on it, yet my trenchant Australian working kelpie chewed it off. Looks fetching, though. Heaps more fetching gear
2: you can get at the Further Faster store. In Ottahee Christchurch or online furtherfaster.co.nz. Going to go something
1: like Further Faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is badger. Jules is nice and Jacob is delicious. Go to Further Faster now. Oh, Further Faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is badger. Jules is nice and Jacob is delicious. Go to Further Faster now.
0: Church Radio.
1: Episode 198 of Dirt Church Radio.
2: We made it and we're just a little bit excited today, aren't we?
1: (laughs) It's a a big show. It is a big show. show.
2: It's a big show. Um, First of all, Maramatia a Matariki.
1: Maramatia a Matariki, yes, that's right. This is is a big week in Aotearoa New Zealand. This will be the first week, not the first week that... Uh, Matariki Māori new year has been uh celebrated, but the first week that is it 's been sort of entrenched into our calendar as a public holiday so what a what a time to be alive and Indeed. beautiful and yes. and we had a beautiful run yesterday in the forest It was a bit wet but cold and and you know running through a working pine forest there 's always an adventure and seeing what trails are still there and and there 's a bit <laughs> of work going on, so possibly mm. the last time we'll have. With a run on a few of those trails, but it was it was it was wonderful nonetheless.
2: Yeah, it was good to skip down Yellow Bucket. Maybe the last time we get to do that, but uh, never disappoints. Yeah, the smell of smell of freshly cut pine, something about it. Um, last week was a good was a good good episode.
1: Yeah, Joe jo Ryder and uh, Sarah Hiadeua from Trailblazers Aotearoa, and we were talking about it when we were running, isn't it? How great they were. Um, mm. And what a great thing that they're doing, and what a great thing that they're doing for the rangatahi, the young people, and and for the community. And we get behind that fully, and we're all about it. And
2: yeah, we were sort of saying we hope this even just one person who who listened who might who might think, hey, I could I could um, help out with that, and and spread it um, because it is something that needs to spread further. Um, and make an impact in the way that they've been able to in Pottidoo and in Christchurch. Look, I need to apologise to Sarah for initially misspelling her name in early versions of our socials and things last week. I hate doing that. Um, thanks to the internet, we we're able to fix it up. But you know, as someone whose name is always spelled wrong, two I was people pretty, whose names are always spelled pretty wrong. gutted yeah. and annoyed with myself. So, more hey. Anyway,
1: this week. Ha! Yeah, sometimes you say that this, you know, it's its such a turn of phrase that this person needs no introduction. Um, but perhaps in this case, this person needs no introduction. I mean, in case you've been living under a rock or a... Don't read, good, none um, Christopher McDougall, he's an American author Journalist uh, and runner it Quite possibly had one of the biggest impacts On our sport, on our culture so, I mean, I don't know, since when But, mm. you know, the man wrote Born to run um, Massive influence and sent Selt, salt, salt. that's not even a word um, Ultra and trail running in Particular into the mainstream, um, it brought both the sort of the minimalist and then the maximalist movement into the popular culture, and and spearheaded a, a you know massive change. Um, mm. He's written a bunch of other books, including Natural Born Heroes, which is a favourite of mine. Running with Sherman, and now got a new book out, Born to Run Two, which he he wrote with Eric Orton, um, and we chatted with him about that and a whole bunch of other stuff from his home in Pennsylvania.
3: Mm.
2: It was, I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago now, and you'll hear that Matt had a bit of the old Rona, um, which is perhaps uh, a factor in how we ended up having a guest appearance on the show. One Lola Raymond, uh, Matt's daughter, jumped on and subbed in for you while you were in the middle of a COVID fever dream. But uh, it's a, it was something very, very special.
1: It certainly was. And I'm, I'm, um, I can say this honestly. I'm I'm looking forward to to re-listening to this as a fan because I don't really remember much of it. Um, <laughs> it was a bit it, it was a bit of a surreal, a, a bit of a surreal moment. And I, and I can say, you know, hand on heart, that had it been anyone else we were interviewing, I possibly would have let you take one for the team, bro. But I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't miss this. And you know, absolutely not. What absolutely a not. Massive amount of thanks. Mm. Some of the people we um, have to thank. Yeah, our Patreon patrons. Uh, we really appreciate your support, helping us keep improving. And you know, we've recently started using remote recording platform, which has made things better for our guests and more efficient for us. And we wouldn't have been able to do that without the support we get. If you want to set up a regular donation or make a one-off, then you can find us at patreoncom slash Radio But if that's not in your wheelhouse, that's totally cool too. Dirt Church Radio is for the people, so uh, we're here for all.
3: Stop. What's
2: 198 plus two Yeah Plus two, hang on Uh, I haven't got enough fingers and toes Uh, Look, live show Halatea Brewery, Coatesville Riverhead Highway uh, For our 200th episode Or to celebrate our 200th episode Uh, It's going to kick off at one o'clock We're going to have some cool giveaways One of them is courtesy of our friends at Ironman Who have given us an entry for the Tarawera Ultra Uh, We'll make a draw there You've got to choose the 102, the 50, or the 21k, uh, and we'll dig around, grab a number or a name. Boom, you're a winner. You can also win a Kepler entry.
1: Yep, Scott Running came through, and we've got a fresh choice Kepler challenge entry. Uh, and I guess you could choose to do the grunt if you if you if you wanted to, um, mm. but it's our live show is on the afternoon of the. It's Kepler morning, essentially. So. Mm. July second, Kepler morning. I mean, the race will sell out, and it's not hyperbole. The race sells out in seconds, hmm. um, and yeah, we're stoked. We're so stoked, and we've it's got like some, having the
2: golden ticket.
1: Yeah, it is like having a golden ticket. So come along yeah. if, you're, if you're up that ways. We've got some special guests. We've got some giveaways oh, from the guests.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited. Yeah, um, I am too. You know, it's going to be. I'm a, sort of want to. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, gonna be a good amazing. Old time. A good old time. Um, we do have two other. Tarawira entries, in fact, just quietly, just quietly, if you want to win yourself a Tarawira entry, uh, one of the easiest ways you're going to be able to do that is to send us a greatest run ever, so if you do that um, between June 16, so obviously that's after now, and July 10, you're going to go in the draw to uh, win a greatest Sorry a of entry for Greatest Run Ever so I mean how easy is that and just quietly got pretty good odds at the moment yeah. so get your name in there <laughs> send it in uh, and yeah fingers crossed uh, you'll be happy we'll be happy because we'll have a Greatest Run Ever and, and people will be happy because they love Greatest Run Ever
1: yeah so for our third entry, which we're going to draw yes. now, so we have three entries to give away. Um, we put up a social media post uh, on Facebook and Insta last week and invited you to follow us and leave a comment if you were keen to enter. And we got heaps of entries. Um, I love
2: some of the comments too. Absolutely. Oh, they were just so incredible. good. And yeah. Eugene, yeah.
1: painstakingly, thank you, bro, uh, entered every <laughs> single one onto a sheet of vellum and <laughs> –
2: <laughs> I got out my chisel, That's my stones, right. put them in there. So what I've done is I've signed everyone a number randomly. And now we're going to use the Google random number generator. Thanks, Google, uh, to choose a winner. So I'll do that now. Okay. 72, Matt. Who's 72.
1: So seventy two is Caitlin runs far on Instagram. Caitlin Knox. So oh, fantastic. Cool. Um, there we go. Caitlin runs far, and hopefully you'll be choosing to run far this February, next February. Twenty one k's as far. No, I'm not saying it's. Uh, I'm not suggesting yeah. that you need to do the hundred and two kilometers. But uh, <laughs> what an amazing, what an amazing thing! Thanks, Caitlin. Thanks for entering and, and stoked. So the rest of you, if you if you want another, mm. either turn up to our live show, or put your name in the hat or the bucket or send us in a greatest run ever and get after it. And like Eugene said, it's, it's pretty good odds. At the yeah. Time. Thanks
2: Iron man. Cool. All
1: right. Uh, Western States is on this
2: weekend and you know, of course we're team Ruth, Ruth Croft.
1: We're resolutely team Ruth Croft. Yep.
2: Yeah, She's got to be the favorite in the women's field. Um, know, Beth Pascal is not returning to defend her title from last year when she beat Ruth on on her Western States debut. And it was her minor debut too, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, But the women's field is stacked again. You know, Camille Heron, no less. Brittany Peterson. uh, Camille Brias, who was second at UTMB. You know, on it goes. It's going to be hot. The racing and the temperatures. I saw AJW was posting the... Uh, temperatures for the coming weekend and saying, oops, it's oops. going to be a hot one. But, you know, it is Western States. So, yeah.
1: And the men's field is wide open as well. Jim Walmsley not returning, uh, choosing to focus on uh, UTMB. But you've got to keep an eye on Tim Tollifson and Hayden Hawks, of course, who you talked to just the other week. And we heard in our, or your interview with him earlier in the year, how much it hurt him to blow up while in second place last year. So, look yeah. out, keep an eye on that. That is a
2: focused dude so that's going to be uh, pretty fascinating to watch uh, and like timing wise for us down here in Altero, it'll get underway on Saturday and then um, you know when you wake up on Sunday mornings before you go for your run you'll be able to they'll be right into it um, and then Sunday afternoon is when the um, you know the winners will be starting to cross the line uh, they actually do some really good YouTube coverage. Mm. You should have a look out for that, um, Dylan Bowman and others on the finish line. So, yeah, plenty of opportunities to catch the action, even though we're far,
1: far away. But mm. closer to home, Run Auckland has its first event of the season out at Ambry Park, which looked super fun. And Lactic Turkey had its first mm. Trail nav row gain of the year at Duda Regional Park. That looked epic too um yeah. a little bit of a, a a little known race by the name of Halito riverhead rampage is up and running again for our ninth year that's yeah. september 17th Big announcement too. i'm announcing it here and we're banging in a marathon as well so yeah come if you want to get uh absolutely brutalised by the hills of Riverhead, Um, but honestly the most excited or possibly relieved person in the Aotearoa running community this weekend was Michael Jacques, who's RD of the Wellington Marathon, which had three years of delays before he was able to get the 35th edition started.
2: Yeah, and uh, another DCR DCR favourite, Sam McCutcheon um, led the way in that, well done, well done. Um, He took the the marathon title and won in two thirty in a little bit, um yeah he said he'd managed to keep his target pace throughout most of the race I think he only dipped a couple of seconds per kilometer. Um, Michael Voss took out the half marathon, um and Lisa Brugnell uh, of Christchurch won the women's marathon and Sarah Drought. Well, she was kind of the star of the show really because she ran race record time, one seventeen for the half, and it was I mean. This is going to shock you because it's Wellington in winter, but the conditions weren't ideal.
1: Yeah, I heard. I, I was I was chatting to a friend, uh, Willie today. He was talking about how it was cold. Like he said, what he described the southerly as icy. Which, yeah, if, if someone from Wellington, in Wellington was icy in Wellington in
2: winter. No, I mean, who would have guessed? Who would have thunk? Who would have guessed? Out? Anyway, think you know? I mean, uh, they would have been so so happy to get that away. Right, let's do this. Greatest,
1: Greatest run, run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. And you might win a Tarawera entry if you do. It doesn't have to do be... Do it. ...or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the lock, something that's sung to you for some reason. Send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Kat Weber, who says, I'm lucky enough to have a great friend who I regularly run with, and we spend a lot of time together over the last few years exploring new trails while talking through life's issues. we both... Keen Wild Things members and love nothing more than exploring a new route from the trial directory. So when he rang me one Saturday in January to tell me about a trail he just completed, I was instantly keen to run it. I could hear the excitement in his voice and just how much he'd enjoyed it. He said that we would have to run it together so, soon, so that very next weekend we both had permission from our very supportive spouses to disappear for the day. We drove an hour outside of Christchurch to just past Amberley where the Tiramoana walkway is located. We parked up and started off on it. In comparison to our normal runs on the port hills, it made a change to start a trail running downhill. The track continued as we zigzagged our way through some trees and eventually down to a remote and very picturesque beach. It was absolutely stunning. The sun was shining and the water looked so inviting that we decided we had to take the opportunity to go for a swim. The water felt so warm and refreshing. Whilst we were in the water, we heard a noise that seemed to be getting louder and looked up to see two biplanes flying overhead along the coastline. The pilots saw us in the water and sounded their horns to signal hello. as we flew <laughs> over we which is interesting really yeah uh, you said the, the, that era where airplanes needed horns um we waved and watched as they flapped the coastline a little before turning around and repeating the flyover again. It was a pretty magical moment. It's not every day that you get your own personal flyover. We eventually made our way back up and off the beach where we were to enjoy the spectacular views of the Turamuana bush itself through wetlands and forests together with the spectacular coastal cliffs with Pegasus Bay and Banks Peninsula in the distance. The colours and beauty around us just seemed to shine. We could not help but to stop every so often just to take it all in. The return loop offered a mixture of terrain from wide vehicle forest road, walker's forest tracks and grassy pathways, even floating stiles to get through the deer fences were cool. The last three kilometres back up to the car park was a good challenge to finish with great company, varied terrain, open paddocks, pine forest, beach, bush and biplanes. This run really had it all and will be one I will remember as my greatest run ever.
2: Wow, thanks Kat. I mean we've had a lot of, um, we've had a lot of nature spotting yep. we've had nature and greatest run ever we've had marine mammals but we've never had biplanes
1: yeah we've never had uh, we've never had aeroplanes i thought we were i thought we were going to go marine mammal again
2: mm. that's <sighs> the way it was looking wasn't it, it was the looking. beach yeah mm. no but you surprised us there Kat. that was a great one thank you so so much uh, and it is now in the draw to win a tarawera ultra entry so don't forget the rest of you, send them in, uh, and we'll put you in the draw to win a Tarawera Ultra entry for the 21.50 or 100k. Do it. Right, on with the interview.
1: Christopher McDougall, he wrote Born to Run. He wrote Natural Born Heroes. He wrote Running with Sherman. Um, he wrote Born to Run 2, which is coming out. Uh, the man's fantastic. Uh, look, go go seek him out if you haven't. Read his books. Um, you know, I'm not saying there'd be no barefoot Ted if there was no Christopher McDougall, but certainly uh, brought that character and human being t- to the wider consciousness. His story is the story of Caballo Blanco, um, legendary, legendary, and so generous of him to to talk to us. Um, I had I was day two. Of COVID and really not feeling very well. And he challenged me, what did he say? It would make more journalistic sense if I, you could back up a claim. And so Lola ended up taking over the podcast for a while, <laughs> uh, which was quite a surreal moment. But, you know, what an incredible guy and, and, and what an incredible conversation. So please. Enjoy. SOS Hydration is designed by a doctor fused by the world's best athletes and for those who push themselves in work, sport and everyday adventure. If you use the code CHURCH at soshydration.co.nz, you get a 15% discount for listeners to this podcast. And it comes in delicious summery flavors. It's not very summery at the moment. Coconut, watermelon, citrus, berry and mango. It's delicious. It is rehydrating and comforting and we suggest you check it out soshydration.co.nz Chris McDougall welcome I can see that we've all got different eras of running bottles you're rocking what are you got you got the classic ultimate direction with the little is it a nipple a nuzzle what you know it's it's quite the protuberance there I've got the ultra spa Eugene what are you rocking
2: oh it's I don't know it's kind of, it's supposed to keep it it's um cool but it doesn't always do its job yeah mm.
0: nobility <laughs> for the fancy, got the option. fancy insulated, yeah. <laughs> look
1: chris christopher thank you so much for coming on dirt church radio um look how are you i understand you've just been on you've literally you're still in your running clothes how how was your run
0: oh really good man it's a perfect day out here um i'm currently in Pennsylvania which is just uh, working its way in the summer. So, I don't know. To me, like, that's – I think maybe because I'm Sicilian by heritage. But, like, once, you know, the mercury gets up, I just start to feel better and better. So, it's a 90-degree 90, 90 Fahrenheit day today. Um, because I was telling you guys, I tried to sneak in and run to the hardware store, which I'd never been to before, through some train tracks, through some woods. I was trying to, like, pioneer this new route. Of course, I didn't know where the shit I was going. And uh, – <laughs> The run ended up, it's all good, you know, good runs always do if you just like half lost, desperately late, booking for a home. So it have all the elements of drama that you could hope for. Running train tracks too. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool because we are in Pennsylvania. This is an old um, uh, farming area. So lots of, you know, this is where Amish farmers live. So there's old train tracks that still function, but they run right through the center of town. So you can like leave a kind of... Nicely, you know, gentrified, bougie little part of town, and just be on hardcore train tracks with like, you know, hobos hanging out and, you know, human waste everywhere. But to me, like, that's the coolest place to run. I, I really like it.
1: And did you pick up anything at the hardware store?
0: We just for a look. In fact, I, I did, in fact. Yeah, we're um, in the middle of this weird transition. So, for the last 20-some years, we had lived in this very rural place called Peach Bottom, uh, super remote, no neighbors. And then, but my wife was was from Hawaii, and she always planned, with or without me, to leave Pennsylvania for Hawaii, which you know, completely justifiable. Uh, endorse endorse her move in every way, but it was going to happen. We kept putting it off, putting it off. And then when the pandemic hit, we we're thinking to ourselves, man, I wish we could go some place where there's like none of this disease. So other than New Zealand. The only other option was like Hawaii. So like in a heartbeat, man, like completely impulsively, we rehomed all of our animals, sold the farm, packed the minimum of stuff and just blazed for Hawaii. And we spent the past two years there. However, my youngest daughter was still finishing school here. So we decided to come back here. So the question was, what do I get at the hardware store? The 30-minute answer is just some packing stuff because we're going to close this house down in a month and I'll be living full time. Uh,
1: in hawaii as of uh, july 2nd wow yeah that sounds that sounds beautiful i wish i could uh you know i I wish we could say that um uh, we were covid free still um but we're not uh, unfortunately in fact i uh i succumbed to covid on i didn't succumb to it i have it (laughs) i got it uh last on Thursday, I think, I came down, which is it's been two years, but finally sort of uh jumped up and bit me. So bit of a how um how was your
0: reaction?
1: It's a weird like it's a weird it's such a strange like I was just talking to, to Eugene, you know, like uh it's such a strange illness and the whole time uh it's just been sort of rampaging on you know uh my day job as a as a as a charge nurse in a, in a hospital i've been sort of like those memes of that person to dodging all the different streams um com- like uh how does it feel like i've been run over by a bus essentially so just <laughs> but no sore throat, um, not much coughing, uh, bit of a temperature now. And uh, yeah, just, just like I've been flattened, really. It's, it's gnarly. Um, but I understand long, that some people have a lot worse.
0: How long have you had that flattened feeling? This morning
1: is the worst. So today, so today's day two, and uh, the flattened feeling is, is, is here this morning. So yeah.
0: And look at you, you got out of bed, headphones on, doing your job, Undeterved. I'm not missing this. <laughs> I was
2: like,
1: I was like, Matt, are you sure
2: you should get back to bed? And he's like, I'm not no missing way. this one.
1: <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. No way. And 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 no no offense to any other guest or potential guest on Dirt Church Radio, but I am not missing this, man. Like, no way. You'd have to be. Uh, yeah, uh, get the tube out now.
0: Ever since ever since I started drinking my own urine every day, <laughs> I personally. <laughs> Feel like that's been the secret to keeping me, you know, yep. healthy. yeah, so. yeah, yep. brilliant. I, I, I thought you guys, <laughs> I thought
2: you guys drank bleach, isn't that? what Your president <laughs> tried to suggest <laughs> or something?
1: Or?
0: Yeah, under, under presidential orders, were you started injecting, <laughs> like to inject? I inject
1: something <sighs> awful. So, is that in the uh, look? I mean, I guess that's a good segue. Is drinking your own urine in Born <laughs> to Run too? I'm hoping not. <laughs>
0: You know, I, there's still an opportunity. I'm, I'm actually mentally calculating the print schedule. Like, huh, can I sneak in a barefoot whiz-drinking sidebar? I, I, I will tell you this, though. We did a thing. We did a... Oh, it, was so, it was so so vintage barefoot tech. We did a photo shoot in California back in November in a tiny little place called Colton, California. Middle of nowhere like central uh, California. And we ended up doing it at a nudist resort because our friend Pat Sweeney, if you ever run across Pat Sweeney on the ultra running circuit, uh, rarely closed, always drunk, um, super fast. Hey, so Sweeney lives on a nudist resort. We needed a place for this photo shoot where we could have like a closed area. And Sweeney's like, well, come here, man. It doesn't get more closed than, you know, closed off the nudist resort. So Lewis and I and Eric Gordon reached out to Ted. Who lives in Santa Barbara, about four hours away? Say, dude, any any chance you can come down and surprise the people in the photo shoot with a pair of Luna sandals? And for the next three days, Ted said every word in the English language except yes or no. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. Are you coming back? And then Lewis and I, like, we were just our heads were. Dueling layers of like molten lava as we got more and more frustrated because we're trying to do this photo shoot is Ted coming how's Ted coming when's Ted coming but when he did show up man it was like I don't know it was like Barbara Streisand showing up he shows up slays and he leaves <laughs> he got there and he sat down and made a uh, handmade custom sized two spec pair of Luna sandals for all 13 people, including a little girl who's there helping out. Um, whatever kind of strap they wanted, what kind of leather they wanted, fitted them to their feet. There is a trans woman named Karma Park, who is a big, barefoot Ted disciple. Ted, I, I well up when I talk about this, Ted lavished attention on her, made her feel like a goddess. And for a person going through the most troubling transition that any human will go through, to have a wingnut like Ted Genuinely like admire you and mm-hmm. hold you up as an equal, you know, and uh, and then he had this, this freeform monologue that went on for like, again like forty minutes, and there was a screenwriter there, this guy who's working on a Born to Run TV series, but he was there, and he and I are looking at each other like, how do you write this? Like, how do you write this for a character? Because it was unbroken, like a pure, let's say like a, like a Jay Z rap performance that was Barefoot Ted. So I would love to get him waxing eloquent on the benefits of drinking his own body fluids, (laughs) but maybe it's time to say, maybe less is is more. So we've,
1: we've had Barefoot Ted on the podcast. I've also had the pleasure of interviewing him for a print, uh, publication, which was, um, again, yeah, you're right. It's like a 20 word question and, uh, Fifteen hundred word answer, Um, and it was actually listening back to those transcripts was the the kind of which planted the seed in my head of like people could much much more likely listen to this than you know me writing it down for them to read. Um, I mean, getting back to your book, Born to Run, Born to Run too. Congratulations. Um, What what was the sort of the inspiration to write sort of how to guide for running well in the twenty first century?
0: You know, I was supposed to be writing another book. I had a contract to write another book. And I I spent two years working on it. And the stories were all there. But something was bugging me. You know, there's something. It was just kind of taking the energy out of my legs. And I kept putting it off and putting it off. I couldn't figure out what it was. And it it finally hit me, which was that the book felt lecturing. So the book I was working on is called uh, King of the Weekend Warriors. And it was focusing on... People who are excellent at various sports and various challenges, but for no recognition. you know, No one mm-hmm. has ever heard of any of them, and they don't care. So this one buddy of mine, he's a, a hedge fund researcher on Wall Street, but he has set nine different Guinness World Records for things like the fastest traverse of the entire New York City subway system, um, fastest and longest pub crawl. Um, fastest half marathon run with a double baby, baby jogger. And what he would do, he looks at these challenges as sort of mathematical, logistical, strategic uh, challenges. Like first, you got to figure out the how Mm. and then you got to you know, figure out, you know, the the where and when, you know, you got to sort of train yourself and get ready for it. But this guy labors in in obscurity and his, his attitude toward competition is he goes hard. Like this guy is like a two thirty two marathoner. He goes effing hard. He trains effing hard. But I was at I was with him at UTMB, you know, the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, which he'd been training for for a year. And about sixty miles into it, he realized he was getting destroyed on the descents. Like hmm. he trained hard for the climbs, but in, you know, in New York, you got to pick out your your uh, your climb. So he used to run up downstairs. But anyway, coming down the Alps, running down. His legs, his hamstrings were just fried. So mile 60, he realized, I, I just can't make the cutoffs. I can't finish. So I was um, crewing for him. So he pulls into mile 60 and he goes, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just going to have to drop. Then he checks his phone. And he's like, oh, my God, my wife and kids, they're in the middle of an actual glacier. Like, I can't wait. Like, in 10 seconds, he went from, like, the agony of defeat to, like, I can't wait to climb into a glacier with my kids, you know, and it was gone. And the, the race was forgotten. And I was looking at this guy thinking, that's it, man. Like, this is like Yoda's Zen shit right there. Go hard when it's time to go hard. And then the second it doesn't go your way, it's only a game who gives a crap. Let's go play in a glacier with the kids. And so that's the book I was supposed to be writing. But it felt way too sermony. you know. Like, I, I couldn't get the, you guys are all doing it wrong. Let me tell you how to do it right, right. attitude. And it just felt phony, man. And so I was spinning my wheels on that book, and I kept—I keep getting messages. I get messages all the time from people asking me for training advice, and I usually just say, "Look, dude, I'm not that guy, you know. Uh, Eric's that guy. Scott Jurek's that guy. I'm not that guy." But then it dawned on me, man. It's been 13 years. I've probably gotten, you know, maybe a quarter million requests for information. And then I thought, well, if I'm not that guy, I know that guy. <laughs> so I'll just call Eric. So he and I teamed up on this book and instantly, you know, I just felt this like tailwind of energy because this is what I should have been doing. And what I what I should have been doing, rather than get preachy and like bitch about David Goggins, what I should have been doing, instead of focusing on the negative, focus on the positive. Like find the people who are doing things the way I think is cool, extract the lessons they've learned and put that on the page. Mm. And By teaming up with Eric, I had like a wilderness guide so they could actually give me the concrete training answers about choosing footwear or how to perfect your running form or proper nutrition things like that. So that that worked out great man it was so fun.
2: So you kind of strip out the so you just do do what it is, do what it is, do the don't worry about the trying to shape something around it. Just do do what it is. It's a it's a guide. It's it's what it is. It's it's, it's here it is. You want the answers? Here they are. Rather than yeah, trying to pretend that you're on some narrative or something. I don't know. Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. So that was the original idea. Like, let's mm. strip it down. Let's, let's put all the stuff that was between the lines in Born to Run. Because in Born to Run, I was very hands-off. Like, I, I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm new to this myself. You yeah. know, maybe it works. Uh, the only barefoot guy I know is Ted. And I'm not putting my money on it, dude. So I try to take a very let's wait and see approach in Born to Run. But now 13 years later, one of the revelations I had was the premise of that book was, hey, if you do this stuff, you can probably run for the rest of your life. And now 13 years later, I'm like, hey, look, you know, I'm still running. Like, It worked. 13 years is a pretty good guinea pig. Um, so originally, we were going to keep it down to the practical training advice. But as you can tell from these like 40-minute barefoot Ted-like answers I'm giving you, was like, if I got a cool story, I'm just going to try and ram it home. Mm. So up being a lot of narrative as well. We would, uh, most of the chapters would start off with an example, you know, narrative, a story about somebody, and then we would use them as sort of a teaching example of how you can approach your own, um, your own guide toward choosing proper footwear. Like for instance, you know, a golden Harper, the guy who created uh, ultra shoes. Coincidentally, when Born to Run came out, he was just on the cusp of, of launching Ultra Shoes himself. Him and his like mad scientist dad, Hawk, were working in their running shoe store in uh, Orem, Utah. Ogden, Orem, Ogden. Orem, Utah, yeah. And they were there stripping down shoes and rebuilding their own prototype Ultras when Born to Run came out. And these guys were like, this is exactly what we're talking about. So they called me up and we started to talk and connect. And so it, it's, kind of, it's kind of a cool timeline. The rise of Born to Run and Ultra were like side by side. The book came out. Ultra Shoes launched like a year later. Barefooting uh, captured uh, some momentum, Ultra Shoes. But, you know, Golden had a a ton of resistance every step along the way. And to this day, you know, he he still gets a lot of pushback. And so I use that story of Golden and Hawk quietly developing their own revolutionary footwear as a story that brings us into how I, I, you know every person can choose their most appropriate running shoe. Mm.
1: I was considering this last night. Um, I mean, it, it, you wrote your book as a like you said a, a relative beginner, and, and now you know it's, it's it's thirteen years later. I mean, a you've got a second generation of people reading the book. My daughter, who's my fifteen year old, who's so into trial running, has just finished Born to Run and is you know, jazzed up by it. But B, I was thinking about, you know, yeah, you said the, the rise of ultra, but have you considered also the rise of brands like Hoka? The rise of, or the, the move to, with other brands now, like, well, we need, you know, because of, to, there was that counter, not just the pushback against the ultra, um, but the pushback, you know, yes, you can have, yes, low drops, all good, but what about those nasty stones that are hurting your feet? You can have, you know, this cushion and the thing. I mean, it... I don't want to be too, I don't to pin too much on it, but your book, it seems like there it, it was a, it, it came at a pretty pivotal moment. Hey? Lots of things were happening at that point and it sort of spurned things along. Hey. Sorry, I don't know, is that a question, the COVID brain? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. I, got, I, got, I got where you're going. Thanks. I think it's the thing about of it. you. Yeah, no, I think the thing about it, by the way, I'm really I'm really stoked that your daughter enjoyed the book. I think, though, for journalistic honesty, we should get her out here to say it for herself, just in case. She's like, come on, Daddy, you know, you may me read it. <laughs> I'll go get site. her if you want. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really put her on. I loved it. While, while Matt is forcing his daughter uh, <laughs> into the <laughs> she's, she's a willing
2: participant. Yeah, she's really taken to trials and... Um, is getting out there and going after it. It's
0: it's great to see, yeah. Of course, if I try to drag my you know eighteen year old daughter in right now, that would be the last straw in the yeah. father daughter.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm going to I'm going to jump into this while Matt is yeah. right. So the thing, the thing about shoes is that you know on the one hand, you know I love the rebel spirit. Anybody wear anything? I don't care, man. If you want to wear you know gum boots, go for it. Hey, look who's here! Guest appearance.
3: Oh. Hello.
0: Hello. What's your name? Lola. Hey, Lola. Right on, Lola. How you doing?
3: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: I am really good. So are you coming here voluntarily or is your dad withholding like finances or something to make you go on mic?
3: I'm here voluntarily.
0: Yay. Hey. And you've just read Born to Run? Yes. Yeah. So first of all, why did you read it?
3: Um, I had just... I don't know. I had just finished reading Eat and Run, and Dad's like, "Oh, Born to Run is really good," because um, I like because I like running. I also didn't understand that I'd like reading about running so much. I almost like reading about running more than like running itself. So I read it because it's about running.
0: I kind of like that. I want Born to Run to be the running alternative. You yes. don't want to run just <laughs> yes. so. Um, yeah, what? what so you, you're like reading about running. Uh, are you vegan, by the way? What, what brought you to eat and, eat and Run in the first place?
3: Um, I'm not vegan. I'm vegetarian, and <laughs> I hadn't had a lot of, like, vegetarian meals. I was just kind of eating veggies, and I needed protein, and I was like, oh, okay, Eat and Run would be good. And it's kind of like I read it when I first started running, so I kind of used it as like a – I don't know, a push-off kind of to, like, get myself going.
0: Yeah. Um, Hey, do you know Lucy Bartholomew? Yes. She has a great – she's vegetarian, and she has a great uh, cookbook of vegetarian meals. Yeah, it's only downloadable. I think you can only get it in the digital version. Um, But if you can't find it, have your dad reach out to me, I'll I'll connect you. It's really good, and she has a lot of stories in there. Mm. She's been through a really – Interesting saga. If you ever have a chance to see her in person and speak, like push people out of the way and make sure you go because mm. she's spellbound. But she's really she dealt with a lot. She dealt with eating disorders, um, a very problematic. Have you guys had her on the show by the way? Yeah, a couple of times. You... Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I No, that. no, no,
2: no, no. We, we. I mean, we shout to the shout to the rooftops about Lucy. Um, and she, you know the. The eye condition that she had, she's been through a lot of, a lot of, lot yeah. of things. Um, but yeah, yeah, lot to get dad to um, line up a couple of those episodes that she's been on. Um, she's really great, and she loves watermelon as well. And who doesn't love watermelon? <laughs> I Love watermelon. Yeah, yeah. watermelon. So is
0: little, let's let's put you on the hot seat. So tell me about born around. Like, what? Do you like it? You, you can tell me. You can give it to me between the eyes, man. If you thought it was overblown and weird, tell me. But what do you think about it?
3: I really liked it and i liked that my favorite bit was the bit about the actual run itself and like it was the preparation i liked all that bit but i liked you writing about like the run and how people ran it and stuff that was my favorite part and i really liked yeah it was i liked that bit the most because i think it was like really exciting and it was like a nice way to end off the book
0: Cool. You like the actual racing. How about some of the people in it? Did you identify with anyone?
3: Um, identify with anyone?
0: Yeah. Was there anyone in the book that you thought, of, oh, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm I'm kind of similar to that person?
3: Um, <laughs> not um, probably. I don't know. I feel like Scott Jurek's plant-based, so I kind of <laughs> identify in that way a bit. But I don't know. I don't really...
0: You run your own race.
3: Yeah. That
0: was a that just... was a trick. That was a trick question, Lola. Yeah. If you said you identified with uh, Jen Shelton, then your dad was gonna take away the car keys for the rest of your life. <laughs> the car keys. We'll <laughs> <laughs> never let you out of the house the rest of your life. <laughs> Sleep outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott Jorick is hands down the best person to identify with. A uh, have you guys had him on, Eugene? No, we have haven't actually,
2: no. We should okay. do it. Yeah.
0: He's actually, you know, for a low key, modest guy, he's a very good speaker, really good storyteller. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good on his yeah. feet. Uh, but you, yeah, Lil, I think Not you through want the of person. trying, by the way. What's that? Not oh, through oh, want yeah? of trying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, maybe I can help you out with that. Okay. I don't know. All right. Uh, I'll tell you, Lil, you picked, you picked the person with the biggest heart. Um, the kindest guy like just the best overall human mm. in that book uh you picked a good one
3: yeah he seems really nice
0: his wife is uh is a trip too jenny like jenny like everything yeah. oh have yeah you, have you come across things with jenny yeah she is uh she's a dynamo yeah it seems Very like cool. a special
2: human yeah
3: mm.
0: yeah what's up with you then so have you started running the trails then lola
3: Yeah, about – I started, like, properly – because in 2020, when we went into the big lockdown, I was kind of like, I'll run with mum and stuff. But I wasn't uh, running very far, and then I kind of just stopped running when we got out of lockdown. And then, like, after the Riverhead relapse this year – Which is a a backyard
2: "Mm, um, race, you know, the – Lazarus Lake's backyard race. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. go on, carry on.
3: I was like, I'm going to start, like, running because I want to be able to do stuff like this. Like, that's the kind of ultimate goal, to be able to run races, like, relapse, and I'll do Blue Lake uh, 24-hour... Is it the 24-hour challenge? Yeah. 24-hour challenge in September... So you go to Rotorua and you run around a 5.5-kilometer loop as many times as you can in 24 hours. It's going to be very fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I like running because it's fun. I don't think I wouldn't... I wouldn't If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. And that's why I'm always, like, kind of telling people, they're like, how do you get motivated to run and stuff? And it's like, just do it because it's fun. Don't do it, like, with, like, a... I don't do it with a kind of, or anything. I just do it because I enjoy it, and like, I didn't know I enjoyed it so much until this week. And I got quite ill, and I haven't been able to run all week. And I was like, man, I miss running. Like, it's something I took for granted, and now I won't. Because you know, sometimes you just can't run at all.
0: I feel like you should be doing inspirational messages mm. for people <laughs> around the world. You're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're only fifteen, though, right?
3: Uh, Yeah, I turned fifteen in October.
0: That's a pretty unusual age, I would think, for people to just start running recreationally. Like, what what makes it fun for you?
3: I like the challenge. um, At like, I don't know if this. I like it as well because it's also not a part of school. Yeah. School is something I'm quite good at, and sometimes I don't feel challenged at all. Yeah. Um. So it's nice to have something that's not school that's also challenging. Because yeah. I kind of didn't have really anything that was that challenging. I was kind of like bored. <laughs> and I do, yeah, and I like running with my dog as well, Rigby. It's really nice to have him running as well. Nice.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's, um, I think I had a similar temperament. I was always kind of rambunctious in school. I kept thinking, man, if they would just let me go outside, just run around for an hour, like, yeah. it'd, be for every, it'd be better for everybody. But I never could, so I was always getting disciplined and, uh, you know, restrained and chucked out. So it seems like you, you're self-medicating by just, you know, downloading some endorphins and busting out some, you know, high octane yeah. running and, yeah, stabilizing. Oh, cool. good. Well, Lola, I really appreciate you stepping up and reading Born to Run. That's uh, that's really really kind of you.
3: It was a really nice book. I really enjoyed it, and I. Plan to give it to some of my friends to read as well. They're quite interested in it.
0: Oh, good, good. We got Born to Run two coming out, so you're right in time.
3: Oh, I have to get that.
0: All right, cool. Thanks, Lola. Thanks, Lola.
3: Thank you. you there the you ones go. Ones
0: i have like uh, an endorsement live on live on a podcast. You know what you can't you can't buy teenage endorsements. You know, like yeah, you get a teenager to voluntarily say that they like something of yours. That's that's some straight truth.
2: <laughs> needs to go on the cover.
1: I'll, yeah, I'll I'll tender my resignation to the board on Monday, evening. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. Well, Matt, I will say Lola's got a really good um, radio voice. You know, it's like really like she sounds a lot older than her year. Very modulated, really good.
1: Yeah, she's a yeah, she's a pretty singular individual. That one, I must say. Uh-huh.
2: Um, she's certainly been going after her on the trails too, hasn't she? Um, yeah yeah she yeah she but, in, but in a and in I, a good way in a like not s- well, I think it's zero
1: zero that thing 100. that you were talking about uh chris it's that sense of and it's a very and right through your books, and I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the the Borough racing, I was thinking about uh natural born heroes, which I just finished. I watched Guns and own last night actually uh sort of tying into that um is that sort of that like you said, be hard when it gets hard? Or run when you need to, and and as play like she, you know, there's no, there's none of this wacky, gross adult kind of self expectation that we put on ourselves as amateur runners who basically are doing something for a hobby. She she embodies that. She just kind of runs, and then when she's not running, she's not running. You know, it's a really great. Uh, I wish you know, I wish more people could kind of take that on board that sort of sense of like do this when you need to do this and then when you're not that's part of your life doesn't inform your life so much
0: do you Matt do you have a sense of what led her down that road was it just modeling because of you and your wife or
1: it's Katie Wright do you know who Katie Wright is I don't think I Katie do right Katie Wright is one of the most unassuming human beings on on the planet so we have this um this uh, section of our podcast that's called Greatest Run Ever and people write into us and tell us their greatest run ever this woman's a a, a a doctor and her greatest run ever was that time I ran around Wales like the guy- <laughs> you know and then she becomes <laughs> she becomes and, and, and then we help put on this event which is a last person standing it's a backyard ultra in the forest by our home and and she comes out and she wins the bloody thing you know, she's the first woman in the world to win a last person standing event. Uh, she goes to bigs, uh, and uh, everyone's kind of going, well, I mean, you did all right in little old New Zealand, but w- how are you going to play with the big boys and big girls here? As she comes, she's top four. I think she was third. Mm. Um, you know, she's a, she won the title at a hundred mile event. So it's, and she is one of the most sort of unassuming, uh, people on the planet, you know, uh, and hung out with us a lot, and and yeah, it's, it's it's Katie Wright basically. It has very little. I'm gonna say there's very little to do with uh, Rebecca or I, um, but you know maybe the fact that we dra- dragging around to these races was the thing that you know introduced it to Katie Wright. But
0: yeah, I love the fact that there are so many extraordinary female ultra runners right now. Mm. That that's the only reason I guess Katie Wright hasn't registered on my brain is that, you know, with Maggie Guterl and Amelia Boone and Courtney DeWalter out there and Fiona, I'm sorry, who's the, um, the uh, Scottish veterinarian? Um, last name, oh, um,
1: she won the spine.
0: Yes. and She was at, um, she was at last... Jasmine Paris. Yes, Jasmine Paris. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There were so many superstars who mm. were at the very top of the game, male or female, that yeah, if you're not top one or two, you actually you can actually fall. You know, yeah,
2: Camille uh, Hearn.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, another one, right? Yeah, right. Uh, it really is an See. age, isn't it?
0: Well, it's it's so cool to me because again, this was one of the propositions I was kind of floating out back uh, with Born to Run back when I was you know researching it in 2006, writing in 2008 was there seemed to be this phenomenon that as distances got longer, the differences between men and women got smaller, and you know a whole kind of a evolutionary theory that, you know, humans are not good sprinters, but we're terrific at uh, collaborating and adapting and stamina. And if that's true, then males and females should perform, you know, relatively the same. And so I love the fact that ultra runnings history for the past 10 years has put that proposition to the test and it's kind of proven it's true. You mm. get of 10, 15, 20 miles and suddenly men and women are performing almost as equals.
2: Absolutely, and it's um, you know it's we we see we're seeing it more and more. It's being proved more and more, and so it's just the. But but what I I was just getting back to, Lola. Sorry, the favorite thing that she said there. My favorite thing that she said was, "I do it because it's fun," and when I heard her say that, I just wanted to raise my arms and because that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's why we, and and as runners and as people who kind of committed to this thing called running. We often forget that, don't we?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing about it. So I was thinking with Matt, like, man, if you can break that down and distill how uh, Lola came to that appreciation, like that's the, that's the keys to the kingdom mm. right there. Like that cracks the door open for everybody because if everybody ran it, if, if we quadruple the number of runners, we will slash in half so many problems you know like mental health and physical disorders but the key is just that like how do you get 15 year olds to think this is this is just fun like mm. and it seems easy but it's really not mm. you know running puts you in a state of distress you know puts you in physical distress physical distress doesn't feel fun so somehow lola is not feeling that distress she's running in a way where her body is embracing it. Her mind's embracing it. It feels good to her. So whatever that is, man, whatever you've figured out, if you can share that, dude, that's huge.
2: Mm. Because that, I mean, as, as a society, we often think of running as punishment. You know, when you're a kid and you're playing team sports and you muck up, you're sitting around, the, you know, everyone has to do laps of the field or whatever it is. And so when our, our mind, like it's like society is kind of conditioning us to think running bad um, and to be able to reverse that um, is we've got to figure out how to do that to get people to see that it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. There's
0: so many different ways that it's good for you. I got a theory about that. And all along for years, I felt that the two worst influences on the sport of running are shoes and races. Mm. So if you open up, open up any running magazine, It's full of advertisements for shoes and races, shoes and races, you know, train for this race, buy these shoes. And both of those things are basically tempting you to drive drunk. Mm. That's essentially what they're doing. They're tempting you to do things which are beyond your capacity to be in control. And so my beef with cushioned running shoes is that, you know, don't avoid pain. Pain is a very good thing. You know, pain is there for a reason. Pain's there to tell you, eh, maybe you don't do this anymore, you know. So the idea of running in a minimal shoe without cushioning just now, I just run on the train tracks full of rocks and I kept stepping on them and I'd like, you know, hurt my foot. And But it, it forced me like, dude, wake up, stop running blind, stop running too fast and you'll stop stepping on the rocks. You know, like the pain was sending a good message, dude, like lift your eye, you know, lift your head, open your eyes. So, you know, Matt, you had started off earlier, uh, before, uh, Lola blew you away on the microphone. Um, <laughs> you were asking about, you know, Hoka and Ultra Cushion Shoes. And and my problem with all these um, things is, hey, look, anything that lets you go out and shake your ass for an hour and have a good time, I'm in favor. You know what? If wearing a pair of Hoka's means you're going to run a race and have a good time, I'm all for it. However, I also feel that these devices are there to seduce you into shortcuts and excesses, which you'd be better off without. So... If by putting on a pair of hokas, you can run twice as far as you could in a minimal shoe, that might be heading you for a breakdown. You know, that might be getting you way too far out on the ledge. And to some point, you crack the ice and you fall through. Mm. So, you know, so my, my feeling about all, all this is, is that, you know, we've pushed so much emphasis over the past 30, 40 years on like, you got to run a marathon. You got to go fast. You got to qualify for Boston. You got to, you got to, you got to, you know. And the second thing is, and you got to buy these shoes. Or you're going to get hurt and you got to you know turn them over every 300 miles or you're going to get hurt, you know, or you got to, you know, get your gait analyzed. And it's that, that fear factor. If you don't do this, you're going to pay for it. So I, those are the things I thought, man. And yet when I talk about this, I feel like I start straying into like raving lunatic, you know, guy on the street corner screaming about the afterlife uh, mode because on the one hand, the thing that people most enjoy about the sport is training for races and buying cool new shit. Mm. You know, I'm the same way. If I go on eBay, if I find a pair of like vintage New Balance Minimus with a good sole in my size, I'm like flipping out, you know? I'm stoked. And I'll buy him some guy's old shoes for $30, I'm stoked. So I like acquiring cool new shit too. And I also like training for challenges. However, I feel like we keep pushing people into the red zone of forcing them to the limits of speed and uh, distance and that's that's where the problems are so it seems to me as if lola is only about what ifs man like if it's fun she's gonna do it uh she doesn't care about her times it doesn't seem to be and and she's maintained that that playfulness mm.
1: yeah it's in, I, I wonder if there's and will research bear out i mean you think about the rate of injuries and brand x or brand y you know minimal or uh, super hyper cushioned, I'm pretty sure the rate of injuries has stayed constant. Um, so it's clearly not, you know, and claims could be made by both sides and have done about, you know, in the past about the sort of the viability of, of, of what's happening. But it's an interesting thing that you say, isn't it? That these shoes are supposed to be a, a a panacea, but you're right, Chris, the body will tell you when to stop and it'll show you when you need to stop. And the other thing that You highlight, I mean, Eugene and I spend a bit of time on on race, around races and around, you know, race finishes, and you get this horrible thing about people apologizing to each other, apologizing to themselves and apologizing to you that they're only running the 50k or they're only doing, you know, that, that phenomena. Like imagine that. Like imagine in the you know the eighties or the seventies at, at a marathon, we're all here to do this, and we're, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be a challenge. Now we're a nation, sort of, or a community, sort of going. I'm only doing the fifty k. I'm so sorry. You know, it's just such a wild proposition that we're at. Like,
0: yeah, I, well, I get a lot of too. Is people apologizing for their paces and their speeds, and I get it a ton. You know, someone will reach out to me say, "Hey, this time I'm going to be in your neighborhood." Would you like to go for a run together? But I'm I'm really sorry. I, I'm really really slow. I said, dude, have you seen me? Trust me. You know, you'd have to be immobile to be slower than me. You know, but but people feel this need to like this this shame and self consciousness of not being not being good enough, and you know, like who cares?
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's the same with with races and the pressure to race um, for years. My least favorite thing about running was races because, you know, it just came with so much sort of pressure, like you're talking about. And in a way, the the lockdowns and the you know, COVID thing that we've been through the last couple of years sort of taught me that it's okay. You don't <laughs> you don't have to race. You can just run because you enjoy it. Um, I recently started ocean swimming, and um, I signed up for a race, and I've got a friend who's who's done ocean racing for well, ocean swimming, sorry, for ever for his whole life. And I said, "Oh, I'm doing this this race coming up," and he looked at me like I was crazy. I said, "Dude, what are you doing that for?" I said, "Cause I'm I've been doing all this training," and he went, "What do you mean? You have just been swimming like?" And it's kind of like a like yeah, we were looking at each other from different planets. Um, but he's absolutely yep.
0: right. Why do I need to go and do a race? That said, uh, what's the swim run scene like in um, New yeah. Zealand these days? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, there, there's something about that. I haven't tr- signed up for one yet, but I'm really intrigued by it, particularly because of the. Um, so, are your swim runs all buddy systems where you yeah. have to
2: you have to be tethered? You have to be within more... what is it a um, couple of meters of each other or something?
0: I feel like that might be a key right there. Mm. You know that if you got to be with your buddy, it just changes the dynamic. Yeah. You know, it's not like lower your head, pull through. You know, me first. But the fact that you've got to be mindful, of somebody else, yeah. and, and the fact that you're changing, you know, you're changing mediums so often. Yeah, um, I don't know. It seems, to me, it seems to me like a great equalizer. So I'm really intrigued by. It. I started doing something on my own. So in Hawaii um where my wife is from there's this cool run it's like a three mile run and i got a quarter mile swim and then you're back on the sand another quarter mile swim it's just just for fun you know and i just throw on a snorkel and a a mask when i do the swim like down there checking shit out underneath me and you pop out and you run a bit but it just seems man just so so fun
2: yeah there's an area um north of us a couple of hours called the bay of islands call name that for obvious reasons and they have a great run uh, run swim up there where you can basically skip around the islands um running across the islands, swimming between the between the yeah, between the islands um it looks amazing it does look amazing
0: yeah, I know Eugene. I think we're talking ourselves into something.
2: Yeah, I know. I started <laughs> off saying we shouldn't be racing, and now I'm about to Google how to enter the the Bay of Islands swim run. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah, <right.
0: laughs> I'm going to ask you to get into. It too. Uh, hey, so whereabouts are you guys? Are you guys near Wellington?
1: No, we're not. And I understand that you've had some you've had some good old times in Wellington with the worm runners. Um, we're at the end of the country, so we're in uh, we're in Auckland in the north. So yeah, oh, in the okay. north. Mm.
0: Okay, yeah, I have only know the south. I've been to Wellington and down in Dunedin. That's the only place I've been. Uh, so yeah, I know it's like my sentimental.
1: So the top, the top island where it gets at the start of where it gets narrow. That's yeah. where we are. We're on a an isthmus. Uh, and, and so we can
2: yeah, run. So. We can run coast to coast right across the country. Ten kilometers.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. That's, a, that's a good bragging rights right there. You yeah. know, I ran across the whole country. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. See so you shining sea
0: uh, Yeah, sorry, Matt. You, uh, Eugene and I are, are getting uh, locked into our own reverie here. What, what were you going to say?
1: No, no. It's. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? It's it, it's so. <sighs> I was going to touch on on borough racing pivoting because we're we're getting into kind of like how running is branched off into all these sort of it was just running at the start and it's still just running, but then you, you add in another, you add in a buddy, you add in a, another medium like water. But for those who don't know, I mean, borough racing seems like one of the harder and potentially more dangerous niches of the sport. I mean, do you want to talk us through that? I mean, whatever, talk about whatever being possessed you to get into that. Talk about
2: being tethered to someone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something.
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, it was funny. Um, The evolution for me was, again, I I came to this sport as a complete outsider, didn't know anything about ultra running. I lived in Philadelphia. I had a buddy who left from Philly and was working in Colorado for a magazine. And he uh, said, hey, man, you want to write any any articles for me? And I'd read something somewhere about the Tarawumata running in Leadville, Colorado in the 90s and then never reappearing there again. In my mind, like, man, this must have been just the most – Brazen racism, like what race does not bring back the defending champions? So I assume that the people in the small Colorado town must have really crapped on these indigenous Mexicans and not brought them back because there could be no other explanation in my mind why they wouldn't be there to defend their titles. So I propose that I write an article about Leadville, assuming it was this bastion of like right wing ugliness. So I go down there. And of course, I'm completely effing wrong. Uh, that was not the story at all. But I met Ken Clover, who is the founder of the race, and got along with him really well. And he kind of opened my eyes to what was really going on with the with the Tarahumata. And that actually led to Born to Run. It was that conversation that made me think, okay, I should go down to the Copper Canyon and learn more about this. But a corollary of that was, as he's telling me about Leadville's history with the Tarumata, he mentioned his own history, which was that he came from Oklahoma He's in Leadville trying to find a job. He sees this burrow race. He loved it. I don't know what he's talking about. He's like, Man, you should come back. It's in a couple of months. And I'm like, Okay, you know, so I'm figuring I'll just double dip. I'll come back to another article about whatever this bizarre little sideshow freak show of a race is. So I come back, and Ken had gotten a, a donkey for me to run with this massive, you know, racehorse of a donkey that was way too much animal for me. And I tried it, and that was a twenty-two mile race at uh, eleven thousand feet. Uh, everything about it was too much—too mi- much miles, too much altitude, too much donkey, too little Chris. You know, uh, it was a horrible experience, and I came away from it basically traumatized and, and resentful and angry, and deciding I'll never ever do this again. But then we ended up—I don't know how many years, man—maybe like fifteen years or so later—with a donkey of our own. And advice from a friend saying this this rescue donkey, which we had inherited, was so uh, in such terrible uh, physical condition and mental condition that our friend said, if you don't find something, if you don't find a job for this donkey, if you don't get it out moving every day, it's doomed. It's going to die. And so I'm kind of racking my brain like, what am I going to do with a donkey? And I also know myself that if I don't enjoy something, at some point I'm just going to quit. Like, if it's not fun for me no matter how determined I am seven or eight days, I say, I stopped doing it. So whatever job I was gonna find for this donkey, it had to be something I also enjoyed. So I thought, oh yeah, you know what? Maybe one of these burrow races, maybe I'll train this donkey to run beside me. So the history of burrow racing was kind of cool. It, It basically had to do with those prospectors up in the Rockies back in the 1800s. They would like strike a vein up in the mountains somewhere And they would load all their gear on the donkey's back and then run to the nearest town to register their claim. And so there was that tradition of dudes running into town with a loaded up donkey and going right to the claims office and claiming it. So then you got these guys who are now like newly rich with gold in town in the West, no entertainment, money in their pockets, alcohol in their system. And so they start racing each other, taking their donkeys and saying, hey, I'll race, you know, from Little Fairplay," and off they go. And this continued to the point where even after mining went from prospecting into like full bore underground uh, hard rock mining, they were still using the donkeys in the mines. So the miners would come out on a Saturday out of the the pits and all the donkeys are in a field and they knew about this tradition. So they started lassoing the donkeys and racing each other. Uh, And this went on for years and years. So it became Colorado's like summer heritage sport, borough racing. But... It's for real, man. Like, these are 21 to 29 mile races at high altitude with people who are alpha dogs across the board. I mean, these people race hard. And the key is anybody can pick up a donkey and run with it, and you'll have a very miserable day. If you <laughs> haven't bonded with that animal, Like if that animal is not on your team, you're screwed. So what I love about it is it is not only a test of your own stamina and speed, but is it a test of your own affinity and investment in bonding with an animal who won't take your shit? If you think you're going to bully it or manipulate it, you're, you've already lost. If you're willing to try to understand it and partner with it, then you're going to have a beautiful thing. Uh, and my final thing about it, so as, as I started getting into this and training for it, I started to research it. Again, I love this fact that... Back when, you know, all those idiots in Boston were like, you, you know, women can't run the marathon. Their reproductive organs will fall out. You know, meanwhile, in Colorado, women were running 29 miles with a donkey at 12,000 kilos <laughs> since the 1940s. You know, we got a problem in winning the races. And, and I just love the fact that, that people just ignore that. It's happening right now. So even as people in Boston, you know, in the 1970s were trying to, like, lecture people about how women weren't strong enough literally at that moment people were doing a race that was longer and harder and running much faster so i, I love the fact in the rockies like they just didn't care what was happening in like the horty toity east coast They're like we'll just do our own thing man you know mm. and when we were out there running and, and doing great mm. i
2: often feel like i have a donkey inside me the um as in <laughs> i don't want to do this what are you doing and it's you know you kind of end up um, having to convince yourself um, and, and the way you do it is not thrashing yourself. Like you're saying with the donkey, if you, you can't thrash it to, to make it go. Um, we need to be kinder to ourselves sometimes.
0: Yeah. And that was the thing about it was. So for this experience for running with Sherman, there were these layers of revelation, which again, should have been obvious, but it, it wasn't so much that, I was learning stuff that was new. It was I was recognizing stuff that should have been obvious. Mm. It was peeling away this layer of gunk that we have imposed on ourselves that don't doesn't need to be there. So you know the the first thing was so we have this donkey and we're trying to get it to run in order to save its life and it's not having it at all. And it keeps circling back and sort of out maneuvering me and going back to the barn. But then we realized, oh, but he'll follow this goat. He loved Lawrence the goat. Mm. So we're like, all right, let's, let's just throw a goat at the problem. So we could walk the goat. Donkey would follow. Cool. And then I realized he would actually follow my daughters. Even better. My daughters would go out. They would jog a little bit. Donkey follows. And then finally, like, the obvious thing occurred to me, like, well, why not just add some more donkeys to the equation? And once we did that, it was so obvious. Like, the donkey liked to be with other donkeys. So you have one donkey. Going nowhere. You have three donkeys and they will go forever. Mm. But, you know, it's just told to me. Humans are communal creatures. By nature, we are collaborative. We live in communities. We live in societies. If we hate running, maybe it's because we're by ourselves. Maybe because we're on the treadmill, mm. you know, but you get know, three buddies out there. Has anybody ever finished a run with three buddies where they haven't said that was great? It's never happened in the history of running. No one's ever finished with a group and said, that sucks. Mm. You know, they're always, oh, that was great. So that was that was lesson one to me, was running the group is always superior to running alone. Number, one. Number two is keeping yourself within your kind of green zone, like you're out of the distress area. And that's where way the donkeys are. If they start to get hot, they stop. If they're thirsty, they drink. And... To them, this is not a race. They have no strava. They don't give a shit if the guy <laughs> who was out here who you've never met happened to go faster on the same route six months ago. They don't care. They don't know. Yeah. And so do about it? the donkeys are just there within their own sort of biological parameters. Um, you know, Barefoot Ted. It, it sometimes concerns me how often I, I quote Barefoot Ted because it, it makes me feel that maybe I'm becoming like him and I'm like that should be a big red flag. But um, you know, he 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 runs Leadville in like 26 hours, which is like blazing freaking fast. And he trains like 25 miles a week. Yeah. Hmm. How is it possible? He's like, I'm not interested in the limits of what's possible. I'm not interested in the limits of what's painful. I'm interested in the limits of what's pleasurable. And, you know, as he's talking, I'm literally like swirling a finger around my temple, rolling my eyes, making fun of him. And then I think, Jesus Christ, that's really smart. You know, I'm testing the limits of what's pleasurable. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, that was that was the thing about it. What I started to learn from the donkeys is that we get away from all this faulty wiring that we impose on ourselves and just get back to our fundamental animal impulses. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, not to, I mean, this is a compliment to Lola. You're getting back to like a 15 year old girl, you know, who's just enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I picked up from the donkeys, man. Uh, it was a real revelation. Mm. You, I mean, i I've, I've kind of,
2: you know, you've spent this time sort of observing and coming to these understandings. Not, not trying to make you sound like a yoda or something, but you know, you did compare yourself to barefoot Ted, just there. But, but um, <laughs> you're coming to these realizations and stuff. But you know, back in your your previous life, as it were, as an AP correspondent, you know, going to to places like Rwanda, you stared into the eyes of the worst of humanity. Um, do you think having seen that side of what we can be as a species informs you now as you find these kind of, you know, way that we should be the way that we can be
0: better. That's a super intriguing question. And it's a very um, difficult one to answer right now, particularly at this time in my country Mm. where, you feel like you're confronting so much stupid hostility and competition and willful ignorance that it almost feels hopeless. Mm-hmm. That almost anything that's gonna come out of my mouth is gonna be just uh, trite. Um, because again, I, I, we sort of see it all around. I was like, mm-hmm. man, oh man, like I can't really. Like, like the gun situation in my country, like how f- obvious does it have to be? You know, mm. Mm. get rid of the goddamn things. Period. Mm. And, and there's, there's all this noise that goes back and forth. Yeah, well, mental health. Well, the second, it's a very simple thing: more lethal weapons, more th- lethality. Period. You want to end the shootings? Get rid of the things that shoot. Period. And so, when we talk about trying to find that that better side. I feel it's there. You know, we see it a lot in our sport, but then we walk out the door and we see that other side. And here's the weird thing about it is you see the same people in an ultra marathon who are unbelievably kind and compassionate to other people. And yet they hold these other ideological beliefs. Yeah. And so how do those two things coexist in the same brain? Yeah. Uh, I am always kind of struck by it. Like, you know, be on- online, um, People will comment to me like, "Yeah, I really like his book a lot." You know, I really like, but he's a raging liberal, and therefore, him. I'm like, okay, you know, like, (laughs) but then they say the same thing in me. They're like, "Yeah, we kind of like this guy on the one hand, but he's got these crazy ass beliefs, so we can't listen to him." Mm. Um, It's tricky, man, because you know the thing about it is the one takeaway I like to try to keep in my heart and mind is that there is a Tranquility and a sense of fellow feeling that comes from a mutual struggle against the same challenge. And one of the things I love about trail running is that it's such a great equalizer in the sense of like a road race, a lot of the um, unpredictability has been removed. You know, I'm running on a smooth asphalt surface, I know there will be water every mile, I know exactly what the split should be. You're in the woods, you kind of really don't know what's happening, you know? Like there's roots and darkness and rocks and I don't know where the aid station is and one mile feels like four, four miles feels like one. And it feels like that is such a bonding thing for everybody out there. Like instantly, we are no longer competing against each other. We are competing with each other against these woods. Mm. And so that's the thing I keep thinking. Like to me, that is the natural human condition. Like that's what we evolved to do. For three million years, to band together, in harmony with but against the environment for survival, and that makes hostility impossible. You know, like two ultra runners never fight. You know, they just don't because you, you, you guys are sharing M and M's. Um, you know, you're, you're both. You know, hoping the other guy's got batteries for the headlamp. Uh, so, yeah, man, that was a that was a circuitous and ultimately. Meaningless answer, Eugene. Sorry, dude. I feel like there's something there. I feel like the beauty of running is this is our ancestral legacy. You mm. know uh, that that born to run is biologically and scientifically true. We evolved to do this. It's what allows us to connect to our best nature, for, because that's what would allow us to survive. Mm. And so the more people do it, hopefully, you know we'll start to just pull back the darkness a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 in my other life, I'm a, a journalist, and I've recently written a series about the build-up to, um, there was a, a terrorist attack in Christchurch, uh, 2019. 51 people were killed in a mosque, two mosques, sorry. Yeah. Um, and one of the themes that I tried to look at is, have we forgotten how to listen to each other? Is that part of what went on? That we just, we, you know, we don't listen to each other. We we shout too much. When people are crying for help, we don't listen to them anymore. And maybe in a way, you know, in the trails, hopefully we we find that we're able to do that more. We we have to listen to each other. We have to listen to our buddies. We have to know when they need help. Um, we have to do something. We have to, you know, we can't just run on and leave your mate there when he's fallen down we need to make sure he's okay and well she's okay and um you know share a jowl and and talk to each other um so i kind of i can see that it's not just that you suddenly switch after your experiences um as an ap correspondent you know it was all brightness and light um you know you started writing about running and oh hallelujah the world is a good place it's not like that it's it's but it's I'm rambling here, but it sounds, yeah, we we can find things in running that will help us, hopefully. Yeah.
0: I'm curious, what what exactly do you mean by listening to each other? Um, Sorry, Matt. Oh,
3: Oh,
1: no, it seems, I mean, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? When you have people shouting at each other, and and, and traditionally, if we were to shout at each other, you know, like you said, are but a blink in the eye and, and a nanosecond of that blink of the eye we would shout at each other in person. So we're getting all these cues from each other and if Chris, you said something to me that upset me and you could see, you know, we communicate by body language you could see that you'd upset me, you'd probably either moderate or, you know, nine times out of ten people, there's, an, there's a mutual appeasement there, you know. If you're doing things online, if you're doing things in bite size, if you're doing things, you don't see the response. So you, I, it seems to me, and, and I mean, my, I'm a charge nurse of a mental health unit, you know, uh, you get these two groups of people shouting, and one person shouting, what you're saying, I don't understand, and the other person saying, what you're shouting, I don't agree with you know and it's just this continual kind of and it's almost it feels like we argue over data points again you know we argue over and i don't i'm not going to make any comment on your situation you 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 know in the u.s it's a completely different society it's a completely different constitutional standpoint experiment whatever you want to call it but like i had an interaction the other day at the gas station sorry at the petrol station um where a guy came up to me, I had my mask on. He's like, what do you think about COVID-19? I said, and ironically at the time I probably had COVID-19. And I said to him, hey dude, um, well, I'm a, I said, I'm a, you know, he had, this guy was quite skinny. He had no teeth. He'd obviously stayed up a couple of nights. You know, he was a bit, he was a bit exercised and he's like, it's man-made, you know, it's man-made. And I said, well, okay, cool. That's your experience of the, of the, you know, the understanding, um, and we had this really lovely engagement where, and I'm I'm someone I was like I would drop a bomb on protesters at, at the heart of my the anti-vax kind of movement because at the heart of my heart I was slaving away in a, in a in a hospital and my friends were getting sick and you know I wasn't seeing my family rah 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 and I was face to face with this guy the enemy as you were in a in, in the forecourt of a petrol station and he was annoyed he was fed up he was a bit scared. He just wanted some meaning, and he reached his kind of standpoint, and I was exactly the same, and we had this kind of lovely interaction. I was like, look, I see things I see things differently from you, but it doesn't mean that we kind of have the same, that we, both things, you know, we can't both, like the feelings are congruent rather than the data point. And then he did say, like, you're probably bound by some creepy NDA, which I thought was quite gorgeous. <laughs> he said, you know, oh, you're, a, you're a nurse, you can't talk about it. And I said to him, dude, you know, we can't keep, Secrets like <laughs> you've obviously never hung out with a bunch of nurses or doctors because we we gossip like there's no tomorrow like there's been no way but it seems like it's that kind of not to ramble but that we argue over data here's my standpoint no here's my standpoint maximal shoes are better no it's 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 minimal shoes are better and the underneath is I'm pushing myself too much and I'm 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 not listening to my body or I'm not listening to the the feeling or I'm scared or I'm hurt and it. That's what it seems like at
0: the moment, to me anyway. I think as journalists, Eugene and I have zeroed in on the fact, like the headline of this is, Matt Raymond says he will drop a bomb on anti-vax protesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, uh, Chris, at points, like, honestly, I would. And I would have because I was and and that's my sort of shout into the wilderness, right? That's my scream of pain. Like, that's my, like, I've been stuck in a, n95 and a face shield and ppe and i have not like i've been at work for three straight weeks you know like i've had to leave this podcast hey Eugene. like we were we were going on to a call and my boss rang and said you got to come right now and i had to put my headphones down and left you know like yeah absolutely is it a wrong standpoint to say absolutely but it's a i understand i'm not going to stand here and say i don't understand that sort of that the theme is 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 that fear, right?
0: I don't know. I, I can. I feel like I can almost link that. And this is going to sound kind of superficial. Back to the question about cushion running shoes. What no, bothers, it's true. It's not superficial at all. What bothers me about that anti vax is I feel like people have been sold something cynically. Someone who has something to gain has convinced people to believe something that is against their own interests, mm. and. That's what bothered me about that whole anti-vax thing. It was never, I felt like, about the vaccine. It was about other people who were trying to push an agenda or, or a political point yeah. to mobilize against something which, under other circumstances, they'd be all for. Yeah. Hey, I think I, uh, hey uh, let me ask you guys a question. Hey, Matt, how many, um, how many vaccines have you had? Three. Eugene, how about you? Three. Okay. I've tied you guys both. I've had five. What? Wow. Going back and forth between Hawaii and uh, Pennsylvania, I would just like – I would just show up and get a new one every time I had an opportunity. So yeah. uh, my, my daughter was saying that she thinks I have a vaccine dependency now. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. It's like 12, 12% of my body fluid is now like you know, anti-COVID vaccine. Like, I think this of, dude not, here dude? who
1: was paying. He was uh, – this dude here was uh, – he <laughs> – because there were mandates, so he, what he would do is he would take someone's, uh, you know, basically he was like 40 bucks a shot. He ended up having like 12 shots in one day or something like that, because <laughs> he was going around his mates and getting the pass, so he'd get a, they'd get a vaccine pass, and that's how he was sort oh, of duking ju- no. like, the system. He would have been so sick.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody's getting sick. He's getting sick. His friends aren't getting the shots. Uh What would get me is that, you know, Pennsylvania, and where we are, is kind of like this anti-vax, you know, beehive. And so I go to these pharmacies and they have like, you know, free COVID, like, you know, no appointment necessary. And there's nobody there. And I'd be like going to buy a shampoo or something. i fuck go, it. I'll just jump in line and get another one. So i say, what do you guys got? Oh, you got the J&J? <laughs> Don't have that one. Bring it in. You know. But I felt like you know, if nobody else wants these things. They're going to waste. I'll, I'll take one. So yeah, I got them all. I got the Moderna, I got Pfizer and I got the J&J. <laughs> Brilliant.
1: Wow. Yeah. wow. Look, I mean, and, please, and and I guess, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit cornered here. The, the headline is uh, COVID-addled nurse speaks <laughs> speaks precipitously in the midst of a fever and does not wish to drop a bomb on anyone. Um, you'd probably send that to a sub-editor to kind of make it more punchy, but um, a delirious man speaks his mind. Uh <laughs> Chris, you've been so generous with your time with us today, and this has been incredible. Uh, it's and you know not to, I guess weaving it back in with your mate barefoot Ted. This has been like speaking a little bit with barefoot Ted, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, Eugene? yeah. When we got on with when we got on with Ted, the first thing he shouted, he had his little shrine thing. We got on. He just went free jazz or something like that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's been wonderful and you've been so generous with your time and what we'd like to ask you is the, the, the question we ask everyone who comes on Dirt Church Radio and that's Christopher McDougall what's been your greatest run ever?
0: Yeah. I wish I prepped for this oh I, you know, I'm definitely going to have to say the greatest run ever was a run with my wife and our friend Zeke who the was with our donkeys On a run we didn't think any of us were capable of doing. And it was too hot, too long, too hilly. And there's that moment where we're bringing it into home in the last half mile. We're all kind of looking at each other like, wow, we really did it. You know, two hours ago we set out, thought we couldn't do it. Two hours later, we're we're bringing it in. So that was it. Uh, And maybe that's what all the best runs are when you set out a personal thing, you don't think you can do it and you pull it off. But that one with Zeke and Mika and Flower, Matilda, and Sherman, all of Fame. Brilliant.
2: It's you like you said, the... you don't finish a run with a couple of mates ever without thinking, yeah, that was, that was something. Mm. Brilliant.
0: And Eugene, it's, it's going be me and you doing the swim run. You
2: yeah, know. why not? Let's do it. Come on down.
0: All right. Come on down. What <laughs> what that do would do? be incredible. If we can pull it off, I think it would be, you know – Unpredictable but fun. Yeah.
2: All right. Thank you so so much. we Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, guys. Thank you, and thank Lola too. It was really fun having her pop in. Yeah. yeah. It
1: certainly exactly was. Nice. that wasn't, and that wasn't a that wasn't a planned and, that wasn't a planned thing an by any means. But I sure Great little, one. Yeah. Her little fifteen year old mind. She's as stoked as a fifteen year old could be. <laughs> <laughs> hey
0: guys, thank you. Thanks again. Chris. I really
1: Thank you so much,
2: Chris. There you go. Christopher McDougal, Church Radio. Got to sort out that swim run.
1: You Do you know, you actually do. Like, I've been mm. not pestering you about that on purpose, but... Mm. How good would that be? So, if you yeah. want to win another Tarawari en- entry, <laughs> please send emails to Eugene Pesteringham to do the <laughs> run <laughs> with Chris McDougall, and I will make it personally with you. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. Amazing. What a
2: great conversation. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. Light, dark, um, uh, all over the place. I did feel for the man when he told me how many vaccinations he'd had.
2: Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, lo- a lot of vaccines. That's a lot of vaccines. Um, but I love that he's gone. He's gone wide with the different brands That's as right. well. You
1: mix it up. You mix mm. a match. Spread your bets, Yeah,
2: I say. Yeah.
1: <sighs> wow. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, goodness me, Chris, Mac- Christopher McDougall. What do you say? You know, you just simply say thank you, and then it just leaves us to say thank you to you for tuning in to Dirt Church Radio, and we're on social media at Dirt Church Radio, and you can email us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy. Leave a review if you if you must, and you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com.
2: Also on that website, you can find the greatest runs ever that people send in. And if you send one in uh, before July the somethings, which I said earlier, uh, you can win uh, go in the draw to win a Tarawera entry. So do that. We'd love to hear from you. People love them. It's a favourite part of the show. Uh, you can read them on the website uh, and send them in to us and we'll read them out.
1: Thanks to our sponsors, Curran NZ, Scott Running, Further Faster, CLE. Thank you to our Patreon patrons, Wild Things and SOS Hydration. And thanks to our editor, Kieran. Stay tuned next week. We've got another great show lined up.
2: Matewa. Thanks, Rippey.